0: Hey, you're listening to Dev Interrupted, the only podcast made for dev team leaders who want to continuously improve. Today's guest is Kirby Fruget, the VP of Engineering at Mural. Mural has gone through enormous growth in the past two years, and Kirby came on to discuss the ins and outs of rapidly scaling engineering organizations. We go through the entire zero to 100-plus developer scale-up journey, Dig into how he keeps the flow of information stable across teams, as well as the open sourced methods he uses to help onboard new employees.
1: This episode is sponsored by Linear B. Give your dev team the power to improve with team based metrics, high risk code alerts, and the world's first project board based on real time Git activity. Sign up free at linearb.io. Kirby, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Dan. uh Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to, to chat with you.
0: Yeah, really excited to be talking about scaling engineering organizations. Actually, Linear B, my company, just announced our Series A round of funding. So we have kind of doubling and tripling our engineering organization uh, on the mind right now. So it's kind of perfect timing.
1: Congratulations.
0: Um, thank you very much. Um, so you know. C- to kind of jump into it here, when you start with that smaller engineering team, you know, you might have 10 to 20 engineers. Things are a little more straightforward, especially as an engineering leader. You probably kind of know everything that's going on, who's working on what, maybe where the dependencies are, um, whatever, right? But, as you maybe get that next round of funding, uh, you start looking at, okay, we're getting 30 engineers, maybe we're getting up to 50, 60, 80 engineers, uh, things start changing, right? And so, you know, from your perspective, what happens to the team structure as we start kind of scaling rapidly there?
1: Yeah. When, you know, when you're at zero to 30, zero to 20 kind of people, things are a lot simpler. You can rely on people like knowing everything, knowing everybody, they know the product, they know the customer. As you're starting to grow to that 20, 30, et cetera, people, it gets a lot more complicated really, really quickly. Uh, the number lines of communication that you have starts to grow exponentially. You don't get some of those things I mentioned earlier for free, like you know, knowing the product, knowing the customer, all of that. And so you have to start to put a little structure for, for teams to get to know customers a little bit. Um, you may start to split your team up. A lot. What a lot of companies do is start to split into smaller teams, maybe split responsibilities of product up into different groups. You're probably still monolith at this point, but you're able to make pretty good progress, still deliver. Things are getting a little more complex, uh, but you're still pretty nimble at that small stage. You can move, you can move relatively quickly. Um, but you know, at that stage, you're just starting to grow and you're probably starting to feel a little bit of the growing pains uh, of, of a company.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Because, you know, everyone can still talk to everyone. If there is a problem, it's like everybody knows the code, you can work things out. If you do have maybe you have like one manager at that point, or zero managers. So there's not as many, you know, people related problems. Um, but once you start getting, let's say, you know, okay, I'm, I'm scaling now to 50, 60. Um, are there a few things that happen to the team structure at that point or maybe some things that like you should do? Yeah, a- absolutely. When, when you're getting that big, things
1: definitely start to get more complex. You, you're you probably in a monolith and starting to feel some of the impacts of that. Um, you're probably starting accruing some tech debt and maybe you don't have enough tests. You, you probably do have that situation, like you said, where you have some people that know everything but not everybody knows everything at that point and you start to have to figure out how to onboard people how to get them to understand the complexity that other people know kind of kind of for free. And so one, one of the methods we're experimenting here with Mural, we're, we're calling it internal open source, uh, which is really leveraging some of the cool things that work out there in, in the world. Like every every developer works with open source technology, whether they're building it themselves or whether they're using something. But, you know, you might have a lot of dependencies at that point, too, where you might need something on one team that another team needs to do work for so that you can get your your work done. And how do you deal with that dependency? That becomes a real problem when you start to get to about that 50 engineer size where you have a lot of teams with a lot of different areas of focus, but they start to kind of depend on each other. And so we, we've been using that as a technique to allow teams to move still fairly independently without a hard, hard dependency on other teams. And so we do that through... Um, putting a set of maintainers on a specific area its either a specific repo or a specific, like, logical area of your code. Um, and you anybody can contribute to those areas. So if I need something from you, you're another team, I don't go ask you and I don't wait for you to deliver that and put it on your roadmap, because when you have to wait on on other teams, that's when things really start to slow down. And you really don't want that to happen, especially at the 50 engineer level. And so we've been experimenting with that as a way to say, I need something from you, but I'm not going to wait on you. I'm just going to submit a pull request in, into your repo and allow us to, to move at our own speed through that. And we, we're starting to see some, some good success with, with that. So that's one thing we've been trying.
0: That's, re- that's really, really cool because, you know, dependencies kind of do become a problem as your teams get bigger and bigger. Um, let's continue down our journey of scaling up. So you're kind of maybe talking about the 40 to, let's call it, you know, 65 developer uh, area. Now we're going to head on to, okay, let's get up to 80 devs or up to 130 devs, maybe in that range. Um, how does the organization change at this point And what are some of the pitfalls, you know, engineering leaders could fall into here?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It starts to look fairly different at about that about that size. Um, You know, we we started off the conversation talking about like zero to 30 and you get the small team mentality and which is great. You're very productive. You move very fast. At that 80, we kind of talked about, you're still in that a little bit. You've started to split teams a little and maybe you can keep that up. Starts to get harder and harder as you get up there, they're bigger. The number of lines of communication just have exploded at this at this point. The You've got lots of different teams. You maybe even start to add directors at, at this stage um, so that you're starting to group people, not because you want like a hierarchy, but because you have more jobs to do. The amount of communication that needs to happen, the amount of independent teams that are moving that need to stay aligned and moving in a similar direction that gets more and more difficult to mess to manage. Things get messier a, a little bit, and so one of the biggest pitfalls, and I can list a number of them, but one of the biggest is not communicating. Um, that it's it's things get messy. You start to lose some visibility into what's going on in the teams. People may start to lose sight of the vision. Some of that stuff that I mentioned earlier about you know, immediately everybody knows the customer, they know what's important. You can ask anybody and they can tell you in a moment. A little bit of that starts to get lost unless you're deliberate about communicating it. Um, you're probably undergoing a fair amount of change because if you're a, a resilient company and you're agile and you're, you're kind of figuring out what's working and what not working, you're making some changes. Um, and so people might lose sight of things. You have to invest a lot more in, in visibility. Um, so things like OKRs, cascading goals, leading through, um, measuring things, you know, metrics become super important. Um, you got to get really good at clean, clear, concise statusing because you need to know what's going on. But you want teams to be moving independently. You don't want to get into a micromanaged, centrally controlled kind of environment. You want teams making decisions because they're close to the customers. But you don't really have a way to always know what's going on with those teams unless you build good information flow into the organization. So at that size, investing in information flow is extremely important um, to avoid that pitfall of not communicating. It, it keeps people from feeling a little lost if you provide a lot of clarity. And it keeps the you know managers from feeling like, They're accountable for stuff but don't know what's going on. And so information in every direction, information flow becomes really important.
0: Uh. Right, yeah. I mean, I I was in this situation myself, and it kind of actually probably hit me when I was at like 60 developers and then going on to that 70, 75 range. Um, That was kind of the last time that I was a VP of engineering. But unfortunately, there's a few things that I didn't do right, that are kind of uh, hitting home for me here that maybe we can dive into a little bit. Um, so one thing that happened to me is at a certain point, I was adding on more teams. You know, we were getting kind of that pressure from the executive team. We need to grow because we need to deliver more features. And that kind of became the mindset of new teams that were forming up. But what was really happening is they weren't able to get the code out. We didn't invest enough early on into that infrastructure or measure the right things like, okay, deployment frequency is actually the number one metric for a new team because I want to ensure that you can get the new code out or new value out to production. Instead, what we did was just say, okay, we need to build features fast. And that really hurt us. So it could be obvious, but is there anything like someone that's like feeling themselves like, oh, I might be in that situation, what they should do? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that is
1: a, that is constantly a challenge because especially in a high growth kind of unicorn company, there's money available. You know, you need more. You can envision this big organization and every single person in that big organization has value to offer because you have so much like good stuff out there to go after and do that it's hard to say now's, you know, how, how fast do we want, how fast do we want to get there? That, that becomes a question. Um, and it's to me, I'm in these kinds of conversations all the time. Like, like, and, and one of the questions I've been asking, you know, I ask myself a lot is at what rate can we bring on people and have them be productive and feel like they're part of a team? Cause you, you get into the, you know, mythical man month thing of the, you know, um, I'm sure most people are familiar with that. Um, But at the same time, like the reason you need to invest in all of those people is you have so much that you need to do. And if everything was working perfectly, you would be able to add those people and they'd be able to get great work done. And so we're investing a lot in onboarding. Like that is a heavy, heavy emphasis that we have on the team is how can we get people in without disrupting the people that are here that allow you to get them to a point where they feel productive and can make changes without risking things or without slowing the people down because you you need a little bit especially in the really high growth to, to balance those those two things how do we get the team that's here super productive while getting the new people on board and getting ready for them to deliver awesome stuff you also need to understand in your organization to what degree you can add people like what speed you can add people without it breaking down like you, you mentioned deployment frequency it's one of my favorite metrics i think we should talk about the four key metrics i know that's something that you, uh, you you're super excited about but uh That's an important one, right? If you're adding people and you're not seeing more value get out to the customer faster, you have some important things to figure out on your team on on how to get there, because you don't wanna be in a situation where suddenly you have that 130 developers we talked about earlier, but none of them can get anything done. That's not good for customers, that's not good for the developer either to feel like they can't be productive. And so definitely there's a lot of onboarding focus, training focus, you you need to think about as you split up your teams how big each of those teams should be and how much each of them can absorb. So like we think in terms of um, you know per month how much could a team absorb? Right? How mature are they? Do they have you know experienced developers on their team so you could add somebody to the team relatively easily without making a huge negative impact to them? Do they have time to adequately onboard people when they bring people on? Is their productivity going out? Are they deploying more frequently um, than they were before? And so you do need a lot of insight uh, to, to know what's what's going on for sure. Right.
0: And for me, that's part of the visibility as a leader, which I lacked at that time. The visibility, you said the four key metrics. Well, what are they? So you have your cycle time, your deployment frequency, your mean time to restore, your change fa- failure rate. Now, if I could have that visibility as I'm scaling, I can ask myself or my teams the right question. Are I, am I improving or at least maintaining in these areas? In my story, we were not, even though it wasn't visible, it's harder to see. Um, and then you can kind of uh, adapt from there. Um, the other, you know, item that I kind of wanted to touch on that you've mentioned a few times is around, uh, I think, not centralizing or being more, more decentralized. Now, when for me, when we started to scale, we started to have more issues in production. That's that change failure rate. Metric, right? Even though we we weren't, you know, measuring that uh, as well as we should have been. And I kind of had the instinct, okay, things aren't going well. Let's centralize. Let's, let's form an SRE team. Nothing bad against our SRE team. They did great, actually. But the downside of that was that the new teams that were being bought on, brought on, they were relying on the SRE team. They weren't, you know, we weren't getting that full, um, I guess, authority or that end to end kind of ownership because we went to a centralized model in that area. So if I am a leader and I'm giving that urge to centralize in an area, do you have any advice for when that feeling comes on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a good combination of centralizing some things and decentralizing others. So SRE stuff specifically, like I, I love that stuff. I've spent time time in that space in my career, and what what I like to think about in terms of the things to centralize are things that enable teams to own stuff, not owning stuff yourself. And and like clearly, like an SRE team can own infrastructure and like all of that stuff, and they should be accountable and responsible for those kinds of things. But in terms of a team's code and owning that in production. You want that ownership on the team. And so what can you centralize? Centralize your ci CICD um, pipeline. Centralize how you deploy things. Maybe even centralize some test frameworks, some observability frameworks. Like, like we have a developer velocity team here at Mural and their goal is to enable our engineering teams to have full ownership and to be productive and feel like they can actually get their stuff out the door easier and know how it's working in production. The things you don't want to Centralize our quality, reliability, all of those things that you know are part of the process that often get shoved on other people. Because what you see happen if you decentralize those is exactly what you were talking about. Um, teams don't feel that full ownership. It's easy to throw things over the wall and feel like somebody else is going to catch the problem. It's it's not a malintent kind of thing, but it's just a natural thing to be like, I'm going to focus on the code, and and you know I don't necessarily even build that skills or if I had those skills they atrophy because somebody else is using them I'm not using them and so I'm a big fan of full accountability of the teams from beginning to end they know the customer really well and they care about the customer when their work's been deployed and they have things like observability they have their own metrics so when we talk about the four key metrics it's great for me to see it at the high level across all teams It's great for the teams to see it themselves for themselves, for the work that they do. And so they can can work to improve that. Developers care a lot about this stuff. They're not often set up that way in a company, though. And so I've worked with a number of developers who've never been in that kind of environment. And it's a change. Every single time I've helped move from that traditional mindset into full ownership end up happier at the end of that process because they feel like actually their work is valuable to people because they can actually see it more directly.
0: Well, I can tell you, especially with, with the metrics, because we're doing this all the time when I'm interacting with the Linear B community, if you just put top-down metrics, even those four metrics that we talked about, those the door four, which are great, if you just go top-down, it doesn't work. You have to have the teams are the ones that own their team-related metrics. And that's where okay now we're starting to see at the end of the day more value getting the customers faster hitting iteration deliveries on time all that good stuff has to come from bottom up
1: 100% agree with that like and and the, the people care about that like like developers really care like like oftentimes they they get this image of that They just want to write code and they don't want to think about all this. It's not true. Like Developers love to build stuff and they love to do things that make people happy. And so if you can move more and more towards them and have them kind of creatively own things and feel like their, their uh, work is valuable and they can see that and they can see that in the metrics and they can, they can own their own like the four, the, the, the four key, yeah, absolutely. But they probably have their own metrics too. Like how how, how do they feel that they're doing? And they, they should be able to have their own metrics and report on those. And so as you're building that scaling organization, you're thinking about providing clarity of what's important and then relinquishing control to the teams to figure out how to get there. And one of the best ways to do that is through metrics and through them self-reporting what, what actually matters and them taking, taking full
0: ownership of that. hmm so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about mindset changes. Mm-hmm. So if you are a VP of engineering or, or a CTO and you do have that responsibility to grow your engineering organization from 35 to 50 to 65 to 80 to 100 plus. How does your mindset or how should your mindset as a leader change as you're scaling up rapidly there?
1: Yeah. Um, a lot is, is the short answer to that. Like You, you need to change how you, you operate if you don't already operate a certain way. So like you have to be comfortable. A lot of people get into leadership positions um, through personal accomplishment, through team accomplishment, through like getting good stuff done with other people and, and all of that. But in a lot of ways, when you're smaller, you have a lot of control over things like you, it's either in your own hands or you're just working closely with the people who do stuff. When you're leading a big organization like that, that that's not even possible, nor is it a good idea in general. I mean, you don't wanna be micromanaging, you don't wanna be in a situation where you are the one that's in the middle of everything, you wanna enable others to do that. And so the most important mindset you have to have is you have to be really good at providing clarity so people know what's important and being really good at communicating that. As a leader in a big organization, your words matter a lot, your tone matters a lot, Getting people aligned towards a vision and, and super clear on what's important to the team. That's, that's almost your number one job above all others is making sure that that's super clear to people because you want that accountability and you know, responsibility and you want those teams to be able to move without having to go seek permission for things. You just want them to move forward with intent to make decisions, to move everything in the direction that the customer needs it without having to seek your permission, seek your approval or any of that. So how do you do that? Make things super clear and you get really good information and visibility coming up from the teams. And so you have to lead through providing clarity, like allowing, not allowing, just almost like The teams have to be accountable for stuff. There's no other way around it. Like they, they need that autonomy. They need that accountability and they need to get super good at information flow. And so that's where frameworks like OKRs and all of those come in is because it's a method defined to align people so that you can say, here's what's important. Now you go figure out how to achieve that. But I need to know how that's going. I need to know, like, is, are we getting towards achieving our goals? How are we doing with our metrics? Are we achieve, Are we delivering things to customers every day, every week, you know, whatever your goal is? And so you have to get really good at communicating vision, communicating plans, not having your hands in everything that's going on, trusting other people to do that, but having good information to make sure that the teams are moving in the, in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you brought up so many good points here. Um, you know, when I was in this situation, I always kind of thought what I say matters number one, because I don't get to say that many things now to every single person. So when I am talking, what I talk about, the metrics that I talk about matters a lot. And then the second thing is where can I make the biggest impact, impact possible with my time? And in order to understand those two aspects, you have to have the visibility, the right visibility and the metrics. Um, for example, and I'm going to ask you, you know, what, what you're using today. But for, for example, you know, if you're a VP of engineering and you are having that one-on-one with a director or you're having that one-on-one with a team leader because you might be doing some of those skip levels, you, you want to know what's going on. Very constructively, if you saw that deployment frequency dipped for that team leader, this is a very positive conversation. Hey, I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing that the deployment frequency came down here. You know, that's what's important, you know, for me. Like, how can I help you here? Did we get into some tech debt? Are you getting too much pressure on the features? Like, wow, that's an amazing conversation to be able to have with a team leader. You can only have it with visibility, though.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. It becomes about visible output, you know, not, not output, but outcomes and results, right? Like, like that's the thing that you want to talk about. And, you know, you, you trust that you're hiring good people. Like you, you need that and you need to, to, you know, have mechanisms to make sure you are and all that, all that stuff. But like, if you make it about the metrics and you make it about those things, then yeah, absolutely. It's great conversations to have with managers. And it's great to walk into those saying like, Here, here's some data, like, you know, help me help you. What's, what's going on? How, how can I be supportive? You know, tell, tell me, you know, and, and even better is if you build the mechanisms that they report on that. So you don't even have to ask that question, right? So if if that deployment frequency is one of the things that you want as a, as a key metric for your organization, every team should be reporting on that. And if we see a dip, you should be able to, to read what that dip is rather than go knock on somebody's door and ask ask them about it. And so that's that's where some of that information flow is so, so valuable because it's not only the change in that number from week to week, but it's what is the reason for that change? Did we have an incident um, and everybody was jumping on that and so we didn't have time to write code? Well, you should just know that that. Is should our whip too high? Too much work exactly. in progress? Yeah. Uh, Yep. Yeah, and, and and if that metric is visible and people are reporting on that metric, they'll see the dip themselves and they'll explain the dip themselves. Like it, it's just it becomes almost like a cultural thing that that those metrics are so important that people are reporting on them and they're self diagnosing when there's an issue. And that that's what you hired really good managers for is. To trust them to figure stuff out, and if something's not working, they're clear about it not working, and they're doing something about it. Like when I when I think about what a good manager is, it's not that they hit it out of the ballpark all the time. Like that that sure that would be awesome if every everything they did was perfect, yeah, fantastic. But it's not, and realistically, it can't be in the, in the world that we're in. And so, where what builds trust in me for with managers is they tell me how things are going and they're completely transparent and truthful about that. And if something's not going right, they're telling me what they're doing about it. And if if I hear that, like this metric went down, here's the reason why, and here's what we're doing about it. I've just now has a super positive opinion of that person and that's awesome. Like they got it and I can trust that they got it. And I don't, I don't have to worry about how they're doing because it's like clear to me that, that they do.
0: Awesome. Kirby, thank you so much for sharing all of that information. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. So if listeners either want to connect with you or, for example, I know at Mural, you're hiring a little bit. you know, Can you talk a little bit about that and where they can go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we are looking for great people—engineers, managers, product managers. I mean, everybody. We're we're hiring like 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 crazy. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm on LinkedIn uh, under K Frugier. You can also just go to to mural.co and you know look for look for open positions there. We have lots. Um, if if you're a, a great developer, I guarantee you there's a position for you on our team. We're uh, really trying to grow. Um, thoughtfully, as, as I hope people realize through this conversation, that we we want to bring great people on board and we want them to have an awesome experience kind of onboarding and feeling like they're part of the team. We're investing a lot in that. We're investing a lot in people as part of this. So if, if you're somebody who wants to work on an awesome product, wants to have a big impact at a growing company, um, wants to just do good work every day in an environment where you can, love, that, love to have you on the team. So.
0: Awesome. Well, everyone definitely check out the open hires on Kirby's team at Mural. Also be sure to join the dev interrupted discord community. That's where we keep this type of conversation going all week long. You can find all of the information in the links below and have a great week, everyone.